Hey everybody, this is Chris Genders and Austin Lewandowski back at you with episode six of our podcast. Uh, we were joined today by Don Weinman. We're going to get a chance to hear from her uh, here in a little bit. But uh, first, just uh, some update things on student ministry. Uh, in middle school world, coming up, we have a movie night where we're combining P56 and Breakaway. Together, we're going to be showing the movie Wonder, and it's the capstone event for our teaching series on bullying. That's a hard word to say. Quickly, bullying. Um, sounds even weirder when you say it slower. So, bullying. Uh, we're going to be doing that movie on Wednesday, February 27th, 6 to 8.30, so different time than normal, so pay attention to that. Uh, we also have Ice Camp coming up. Austin, you're going to Ice Camp. I will certainly be going to Ice Camp. Ice Camp's one of my – it's like it's like the capstone event for the year. Yeah, nice. How many times have you been? Uh, once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, enough said. Well, no, okay, technically, Ice Camp once, Man Camp. Yeah, we're talking – this is student ministry world. We're just talking – Talking ice camp, so oh, okay. I'm well, just kidding. We can promote man camp, but I mean, no, it, it all takes place at Miracle Camp, which is quite possibly one of the greatest places on earth. It is better than Disney World. That's what people say. Say. Yeah. say. People have given up vacations to Disney World to go to Miracle Camp. It's double confirmed. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, uh, but to be fair, we do have man camp coming up and women's retreat. So, uh, check out the church website, GreatOaks.Church. You can register for all these events at register.greatoaks.Church. Except Ice Camp. Ice Camp's full. We have no more spots. Uh, we've got, we're taking 70 people with us, charter bus, an extra 12-passenger van, and I think maybe my truck and a trailer. I'm not really sure anymore. So it's, it's getting uh, near, coming quick. That's a couple weeks. And then uh, with Peru, uh, we have a fundraiser coming up that the church is invited to, gets to be a part of, and that's on Friday, March 22nd, the start of spring break. We're doing a family fun night. Uh, if you've been here before for that, you know it's an awesome night with food, uh, indoor carnival, we've got cakewalk, we've got the warped wall, um, we're doing some dodgeball, and last year we introduced Pia Pastor, and we're bringing yes. that back as well. So we'll have buckets out through the month of March, all leading up to this event, and the top three pastors with the most money in their bucket uh, get a pie uh, tin filled with shaving cream. Smeared all over their faces. I think so. we need to. We need, everybody needs to pull their dollars together to let Lizzie go for a two peat. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. So last year it was Pastor Jake, Pastor Fabiano, and Pastor Lizzie. Yeah. So yeah, Lizzie awesome. for sure needs to be a two peat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely two peat. Three peat, two peat, whatever. It's like Olympic Olympic games. I get it. I get it. Kind of thing. I get yeah. it. Three peat sounds more you know dramatic than two peat. So because isn't that just a? But we can talk about isn't that just a repeat? Next topic. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't want to hang out on this two feet. I've never heard that term before. Did you just make that up? Yeah, I make up words all the time. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. All right. Just double checking. So, uh, anything else in the world of student ministry? We got culture shift tonight. Uh, we're recording this right before culture shift. Um, we're doing our uh, our annual sex series, which of course high school students love talking about that, um, especially mm-hmm. when your youth pastor is your dad. Um, so that's always awesome. Shout out. But yeah, you do. I, I mean, you handle it, you handle it very well. Though. You talk, you you handle that subject in a very a, a light and fun manner. It's not convicting to anybody, and you know we're not berating anybody for yeah, anything. Absolutely, so yeah. We're not trying to shame them. We're just trying to teach them what God's word says about uh, their sexuality. Yeah, so it's yeah, good. yeah. Tonight's gonna be interesting. We're gonna do a little debate. Uh, we're gonna divide the group into two, and 
one side is going to be designated as uh, sex is kind of a big deal, it matters, and the other side is sex, you know, it's casual, it doesn't really matter, you do what you want. Um, and then we're going to have them debate certain topics that I'm presenting tonight. So It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Don's sitting across from us looking like, do I want my kid to go to youth group tonight? <laughs> I think that's enough on student ministry world. Um, let's meet Don Weinman. Um, Don is one of our trip members going on the student uh, Peru trip this June. And so we want to, over the course of the next couple months, uh, bring in all of the adults uh, that are going on the trip get to know them a little bit better, um, let our parents know who they are, our missionaries know who they are, um, and hopefully students as well listening to this. I know we've got some students that listen as well. So, Don Weinman, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Don, self-admittedly, is a little nervous, so we'll ease into things. You know, we'll, we'll handle that. Um, the good news is, Don, we don't really know what we're doing. So Obviously. <laughs> oh, wow. Just kidding. No, it's okay. One of the things I love about Don is her sense of humor. So you will see that come out uh, during this, this uh, recording. So uh, let's, let's start in the beginning. How about that? In the June beginning. 11th, 1978. There you go. 78? Really? Probably wow. Probably 70s, yeah. Oh, but I'm 74. I'm suddenly Obviously. feeling older. So Obviously, Chris. Austin, when were you born? <laughs> 1991. <laughs> no, you weren't. Are Bro, you serious? Yeah, I was. Do the math. I'm 27. Oh. <sighs> Do the math. I was a junior in high school when you were born. I know. You I was Ethan's age. <laughs> I, man, I know, but I keep forgetting that. Either you seem older or I just feel younger. I'm not sure which one. Go with you feel younger. You feel younger. That's solid. Okay. Every one yeah. of us. Because I definitely, okay. Don and I were talking, like, I am definitely not older. No. No. <laughs> a little more immature. Yeah, that was, sorry, that was a weird computer sound happening behind us there. Uh, Don, what were you doing in 91? 91. Uh, I was in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was a wild kid in East Peoria. Yeah. CJHS. Yeah. Super wild. Yeah. What's the mascot for CJHS? Wildcats. Wildcats. I was a, I was uh, a wild kit. I was a dancer on the dance team. Uh, okay. Obviously. Come on. Yeah. Like Makes sense. Interpretive Makes sense. dance or like? <laughs> Probably that's what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> it's middle school dance team. Correct. We love them. Sure. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's just like middle school band and middle school sports and everything else middle school, you get a lot better mm-hmm. in high school and college and beyond. So, yeah. yeah. So that's a great kind of un- – planned kind of birthday conversation there, but um, talk to us about your early years. Uh, Like, tell us who you were. Uh, Let's see. I was a Catholic, little Catholic girl growing up, uh, raised in East Peoria by, um, I lived, uh, I have two uh, older brothers and an older sister. We uh, lived with my, both my parents and my grandma. My grandma lived with us. Okay. My parents both worked, and so... I had the joy of being raised by my grandma, and she was pretty awesome. She took incredible care of us, and yeah, it was probably the joy and highlight of my childhood. I remember, I have so many great memories of my grandma. So we uh, were fed awesome meals. Everybody ate around the table. Our house was always clean. Everything was taken care of, and uh, it was, my grandma was the cornerstone of all of that, so... It was a pretty awesome childhood. I had no complaints. I mean, you know, I every kid wants more and more, but I had everything I needed, and and uh, yeah, I I had a really pretty great childhood. Okay. Yeah. What was your What was your favorite thing that you, your favorite activity you did with your grandmother? Um, 
favorite activity? Mine was like, I used to get, I was babysat a lot by my grandfather in Peoria while my parents went to, went to work and, and, you know, we were too young for school yet. And so my grandpa would like teach us to read and teach us to write and do math, oh. like, like at a super young age. And so like, that was one of my most favorite things, even though I hated doing times tables, like most people don't even remember what times tables were, but like doing times tables till like I wanted to cry. Yeah. So, like, what was your example? Well, that reminds me. It, my grandma would read to me, and she would read stories, and she would uh, do awesome voices for all the characters in the stories. <laughs> and I have a, a cassette tape at home of my grandma's reading her recordings of her reading to me some of my favorite stories. That's so amazing. that is, yeah, that was probably awesome. one of That's my, awesome. my favorite things of growing up. Yeah. My favorite thing for my grandma was Klondike bars. Yes. <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah. We didn't, my family didn't have a lot of money. My grandparents had a little bit more. And I remember going to their house in Indianapolis and we always had Klondike bars and cookie crisp cereal. Maybe that's also why I was 230 plus pounds in high school. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But, um, so middle school, East Peoria, high school, East Peoria. Yes. Is that the Raiders? Yeah. Right. Okay. It's a Raider. Okay. Time. All right. Graduated there in, it would have been 96? 96. Okay, all right. And then college, what, what's like the next steps? So after high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, something in the medical field, I thought. So I went to uh, ICC, mostly because I applied at several colleges, but I had taken the, um, the ACT mm-hmm. at Pekin, and Pekin had my ACT scores. And those universities wanted my ACT scores, but I didn't know where they were. And I wasn't really going to go look for them because, uh, who cares? <laughs> and I was kind of doing it if on my own. If Don's children listening to this, you care. You care immensely. You care. Yes, I'll help you. I'll help you. Uh, yeah. And so I just thought, well, I'll go to ICC. So I went to ICC. Not that I think ICC is incredible. I want my kids to go to ICC. Yeah, absolutely. Both my kids are playing in that. Absolutely. Great school that we have here. So... Two years at ICC, I wanted to go on to get a degree, and I didn't have uh, any way to do that, no way to pay for it, and so uh, my brother told me that I should join the military, and I did. Okay. And, yeah, and so um, I was dating my now husband at the time. Um, we had met my freshman year of, of college, and uh, he was also at ICC. We were valets at the Paradise Riverboat Casino. Yes. I crashed into him. First car I drove, (laughs) first night of my job. Backed out of a parking space, really? he comes flying down the aisle, and boom. And then, like, it was that thing where you, like, you saw him, and, and he saw like, you, stars like, stars, and, 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 and it was that was concussion, but, <laughs> like, they met later in the hospital, <laughs> you know. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so, uh, we, we like to say we crashed into yeah. love. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, so I drug him into the military as well, because okay. he also wanted to go on to school, and neither one, one of us had any way to, to make that a reality without some outside intervention, so. What, what branch? We joined the Air Force. Okay. Obviously the best branch. Mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I if should you, defend others, any, but you I'll let, this if, is Don's podcast. I just podcast, mean it's, so. it's really, it's like the, the fluffy branch. Like we had, uh, we went to the desert, but there was satellite TV in our desert, in our tents. And there was, I mean, it's really, we had the best food, the best food I've ever eaten everywhere we went. So okay. by that, I mean, gotcha. I'm not going to argue with any Marines though. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we joined the military. We were in the Air National Guard out at the Peoria um, base, and we then went on to, he went to Eastern, and I went on to the University of Illinois, and I got a degree in biology there, pre-med biology, still unsure of 
exactly what I was what it was I wanted to do. But uh, D- describe the the college dawn, like your personality, all of that kind of stuff. Like, because Austin and I have talked about our college years on the podcast, and there were some changes that we went through yeah. during college. It seems like it's a, a very much a transformative, you know, time of life. Yeah, Wild, wildcat still. I was a wildcat still. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say that I had probably the typical non-Christian college experience. Okay. Uh, I lived with seven other girls. They were awesome friends, still such great friends of mine. Loved it. I loved most of college. I went through a phase of maybe a little disillusionment little depression, but um, hung in there, and um, what was it about college? I, I think that I, I continued going to church. I didn't have, I had a strong belief in God, but not a relationship with God. I, I believed that there was God. I believed Jesus Christ was a person, but I didn't. So I went to church and kind of struggled through my faith. I uh, lived with a group of girls that uh, were... We were all pretty hardcore feminists. Um, my One of my roommates, her sister was the editor of the feminist paper at the University of Illinois. Okay. So we were all, we wore buttons and whatnot. Sure, and sure. we were, yeah, so we, I lived uh, believing that women could and should do it all. And not that we can't. I mean, sure. I don't mean at all. I don't really know how that, what I mean by that, except that I had a strong belief that I had, I formed some pretty strong opinions about life, about working and uh, being a, a working, you know, woman. I, I felt like that was what I was called to do and meant, not really called to do, but that's what was important for me to do. And so I, I went through college expecting to, take care of myself completely, get a job outside of once I graduated, and be self-sufficient. Yeah, and, and, and you didn't stop with the undergrad, nor did Greg. Right. So w- talk through maybe postgraduate, and when did you guys get married? Like, where does all okay. that fit into the story? So after the University of Illinois, Greg had already gone down to St. Louis to start chiropractic school. Uh, he... The six months before I graduated from the University of Illinois, he asked me to marry him, and so we were engaged, and so I moved down to St. Louis. We moved in together. Uh, We didn't really have any qualms about how we were living, or uh, we, I wasn't sure what I I wanted to do exactly. He was at chiropractic school, and so I got a job as a waitress at a country club, because I don't know what else you do with a biology degree. Okay. I'm sure there are things. I know people that have, did things with it, but not me particularly. And so I was a waitress at a country club. He was in chiropractic school. Um, we went. Our relationship went through some difficult times. We um, really kind of we were not great to one another, and um, in multiple ways, our relationship was always kind of rough, even through college. I, I mean. I think the fact that we're still married makes my roommates think, wow, hmm. what happened? Because there wasn't, I mean, our relationship was hard and rough. We loved each other, but we didn't really know what it meant to lay ourselves down, to 
to serve someone else, sure. to, to sacrifice for somebody else. So we um, we were living and not living a great life, um, not the way we were supposed to be living is what I mean. And um, after taking some time off uh, from work and really kind of sorting through what we were going through, I decided that I was going to try out chiropractic school. It was in the health field. I was really inter- interested in the natural aspect of medicine. So I joined him in chiropractic school and uh, six weeks into my first semester there, he and I got deployed to um, during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah. So we both uh, withdrew from school. We came back to our base here in Peoria. We waited about um, four to six weeks for deployment and five days before we were supposed to leave to be deployed, I found out I was pregnant with uh, Lily, oh, our, wow. our first. Yeah. So they don't let pregnant women go to war, thankfully. That's a good plan. <laughs> and so he left and I stayed, and it was heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. So I went back to St. Louis, re-enrolled in school. They let me jump back in, even though I had missed um several weeks of school. They let me jump back in where I was and uh, continued my schooling. He returned about seven months later, about two months before Lily was born. And uh, we finally, she was born in November. We finally got married in May. Okay. Yeah. About eight years we had been together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Four, almost four years engaged. So we were just kind of floating through life, doing whatever seemed right at the time. We didn't really have the money to get married. We didn't think that it was super important. And so we were just kind of going through life the way we felt like was right. Sure, sure. And and you told me one time before, Lily's birth really changed you. Yeah. I So all of those ideas that I had built up in college that um, – my own thoughts of how I was going to live and what I was going to do and that life was really about me and about what I wanted to do and me being self-sufficient and taking care of myself. And the minute she was born, I changed. I, it still like chokes me up. She, it just rocked my world. She, I had never known that I could love something or someone in that way. And I knew that I could not leave her. I didn't I didn't want to leave her. I wanted to spend every minute of the rest of my life hmm. staring at her face. And so but I was in school and I really felt like I still hung on to that feeling that I needed something. I had to prove myself. I had to be independent and I didn't want to leave her, but I wanted selfishly to finish school, to finish chiropractic school. And so I had to, I had to go to daycare, put her, take her to daycare, and um, that was probably really hard. I'm mean, just watching. Obviously, our listeners can't see, but just watching the emotion on Dawn's face as she's telling this story, and then to just come and say that to that point, and I put her in daycare like that. That's not a simple statement for Dawn to say, and so listeners, I just want you to hear that. Yeah, it was. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I made it to school trying to hold it together, and I sat down, and one of my right away, 
one of my friends said, hey, how's Lily doing? And I lost it. I just did not want to be there. I was I was brokenhearted to, to leave her behind and to be doing something that I, I felt like needed to be done, but I didn't want to do. Yeah. But I was finishing it to prove myself. I was always looking for a way to, to make myself feel worthy of somebody's praise or admiration. So, okay. yeah. You eventually did graduate. I did. I graduated. I, I learned the other day that you got a doctorate. I did. So I jokingly refer to her now as Dr. Weinman. So, it is a and joke. Greg is a doctor. <laughs> keep it a joke. <laughs> Nobody wants me to doctor them in any manner. So Greg graduates as well. Yes. Um, he begins a practice. Uh, you guys are still in St. Louis. You have a second child. Yes, I had a second child while I was still in school because I thought that was a good idea. I was already struggling to just get done. I mean, we had 36 hours of class a week and uh, two kids at home and then I was supposed to be seeing patients in the evening. So yeah, why not? it seemed wow. like I should probably have a kid now. Yeah. yeah. I needed to. Yeah. Logical. It, yeah. Really what my brain was, was I wanted my kids to be two years apart. And there was like no other. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, I was too young to be making those. I mean, I was 25, <laughs> but. Sure. It seemed, seemed like the right thing to do. It, what was most important was how far apart their ages were. And yeah. two years was the correct amount. So. Okay. Okay. Yep. So eventually, uh, you guys decide to move back to the Peoria area. Because I had two kids, and I two... needed help. Someone <laughs> help me. I love them, but I don't know what I'm doing. And, and particularly, I'm thinking of your childhood growing up with your grandmother. Yeah. That had to play a part in this as well, like wanting your kids to be around their grandparents and extended family. Yeah. So you move back home to Peoria. Um, does Greg start his own practice at that point? Yes. Yeah, so okay. he had been working in St. Louis under um, a... Uh, in, not in an internship, but a, um, an associate, um, as an associate doctor. So he got really kind of the feel for the business, some stuff you don't learn in school. He was able uh, to start a business back here. So he, we moved back here. He opened his own practice, and we moved to East Peoria, back okay. to my hometown, yeah. close to family and people that would help me figure out what I was doing. Yeah. And then a third child. And then... A third child. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sounds like a she, chapter heading right there. That was not a <laughs> that was not in the plan. Okay. But yeah, she came along and rocked our world. And this is around what what year? So that was what year was she born? She was born in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Okay. Okay. Yes. So right. we moved back in two thousand six. Um, I found out I was pregnant with her at the end of two thousand six. Two thousand seven, she came along, and it was during in that time. Uh, right in there, that we were leaving St. Louis, came back to this area that we really started to question our faith. Greg had joined the Catholic Church, so I could have a Catholic Mass for a wedding. That seemed important. And um, But we were still, we were both kind of, well, again, we believed that there was a God. We did not have any kind of relationship. We, but, but we didn't realize that what, that's what it was. We just felt like something was missing from our faith. Okay. And we didn't really know what it was. But I, we moved back, and I started a Bible study with some friends. And I had never been in a Bible study. had never read any Christian books. We read a really great book and um, realized that the author was the pastor of a church 
in the area. There was a harvest church that was starting in in the Peoria area and realized that the author of the book was also the pastor of the church that was starting. So we decided to give it a try. And so we kind of, because we had grown up Catholic and it was important to my family, we kind of started secretly going to this church just okay. to try it out. And, and we found out what we were missing in our faith. Hmm. It was Jesus. Wow. Mic yeah. drop. Boom. <laughs> Jesus was missing. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I was really kind of blown away. I I knew that my faith was very much just um, a religious exercise. Um, and I learned that there was a God that loved me personally and knew me personally, not somebody far away that I couldn't speak to myself, but that knew me and knew my heart, knew everything I had done and uh, loved me in spite of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It really rocked my world. It was. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, third child was not the last child. No. There is a fourth child. There is a fourth child. Yes. Tell us the story of Yisak. So, it was um, 2009, 2010. Some friends of ours had adopted a little girl from Guatemala, and. Talked to us about adoption, and I thought, yes, that's great. Congratulations. And Good um, for you. Yeah, good for you. That is incredible, but how important adoption was, and they just continued to talk to us about it. And um, during, I feel like those were my the early years of my faith. I really feel yeah. like I really then, it was in those years, seven, 2007, I really feel like I came to faith. In Jesus Christ to really make Him Lord of my life. It wasn't really. It wasn't just a religious exercise anymore. Mm-hmm. I really um, put Jesus in charge. 2008, I was baptized, and in the next year or so, our friends were talking to us, and I was really on fire for God. I wanted to take in everything I could, and I wanted desperately to live in a way that honored God and that um, that would uh, live out what I believed to be true. So. We started talking about adoption. I wanted, I always wanted four kids. I convinced Greg that he also wanted four kids. <laughs> I don't know that that was the truth. I want to know what the shift, I want to know what the, I, I like all these shifts that kind of take place. That Like it's, you know, we skip it, we're skipping over it like it's a small thing. Like you were like, yeah, great for you on the adoption thing. And then all of a sudden you just kind of decided that all of a sudden, like, this is a thing now? It was one of those things I feel like God was pursuing me, and it certain things would come along. I can't give too many examples. So they also adopted, then they adopted a little girl from Ethiopia. Oh, I remember what it is now. So Greg and I read a book called It's Not Okay With Me. Hmm. And... It was about a woman who went to Swaziland, Africa, and she went more on a like journalistic type of mm-hmm. trip. There was a four-year-old little boy and a two-year-old little girl who had been orphaned, and they were living in a dump, and they were taking, they were just living on their own, taking care of each other. And at that time, Lane was four, and Violet was two, and the thought of them in that situation was. Wow. far more than I could powerful 
I oh, could cool. take. And I thought, this is happening. There are a hundred. There are 140 million orphans in the world, and it's a it's a hard number for us to fathom. And the things that happen in other countries and here in America, I mean, there is an orphan crisis, and I was we were both really really moved by that. And so we decided that we would consider it and start talking about it. And we did, and it's sort of one of those things where you have to take another step, and then you have to take another step, and you're still unsure of what you're doing, but you just keep taking a step, and, you know, the next step is a home study, and the next step is to get these papers together, and all these different things, and we kept moving forward. We came to a point where we thought, is this what we're doing? Are we going to do this? And we decided to fast and pray, and um, we did, and I kept thinking, if this isn't your will, God, just shut it down. But, of course, it's God's will. It's God's mm-hmm. will that we take care of the widows and orphans. That is God's will. So it wasn't ever outside of his will. It wouldn't, but that didn't mean it would not come with hard or difficult things. I wanted it to be all right and good. and um, But that's not really how life ever works, right, in any situation. <laughs> I'll do it if it's all going to be right and good. Right. And yeah. simple. And yeah. simple. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. that's not how it really goes. The process of adoption turned out to be pretty simple. We finished up our paperwork. Um, we were adopting from Ethiopia. Ethiopia was an open country at the time. And um, we decided that that would be that there was there were 14 million orphans alone in Ethiopia. And wow. so um, we knew that there was a really hard orphan crisis there, a lot of suffering and going on. And so we decided that Ethiopia was the country we would, we would adopt from. We knew that that would come with a number of challenges and different things, just cultures and ethnicities. Um, and we felt like we were up for the challenge. And as it turned out, it was the process was pretty simple. He um, was presented to us a short time after finishing our paperwork. He was actually outside of our age range. We had a zero to four age range, but he turned out to be like four and a half at the time. And so we had to redo some paperwork. But I mean, so they sent us pictures. Tell us if you're willing. I'm like, well, who, who says no? Right. Does somebody say, oh, you know what? Not, no. What kind of organization is this through? Um, This is through, we had, it was called, uh, no, International Adoption Net. It's a private adoption agency that does international adoptions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they helped us through that, and um, we said yes. Had you visited? Had you met Isak? No. So we, um, they sent us his paperwork. We said yes. We changed all of our paperwork to fit his age criteria Mm -hmm. and things, and then... Um, a few months later, we went to Ethiopia for, we had to go on two different trips. We went on our first trip for our court date to meet uh, him, to meet Isak, and then to, for him to be, uh, for us to become his legal parents. What an experience. Like, what are your thoughts on the plane flying over there? Like, it, I'm assuming you and Greg, right? Greg and I, it's one of those things you keep looking at each other, you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's oh awesome. my gosh, we're going to Ethiopia. We're bringing home a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's insane. It was. It was insane. High five. Gosh. <laughs> and um, so we went, we had to go on two trips. So we went and we met him and we got to meet his biological dad. And it was a really incredible. The whole thing was such an incredible experience. 
Uh, Greg got really, really sick while we were there and uh, was not able to travel back the second time. So I went back um, about, about six weeks later and brought Isak home myself. And that was... That was harder. That was an interesting go As if yeah. going with Greg, just you two by yourself wasn't hard enough. Right. Now do it on your own. Yeah. And, um, you know, he didn't speak English, and I didn't speak Amharic. And so I have a little five-year-old boy in the airport by myself. Holding his hand, he's trying desperately to run from me. And so, but smiling because <laughs> I'm a white girl and I'm just smiling and I have like death grip on his arm. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine. And I was dying on the inside. Yeah. yeah. And, e- even though you have all the paperwork, you know yes. it's legal. It's still, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we got on the plane. He, he was and still is such an awesome kid. Like he was so sweet and friendly. He was talking to everyone around us. And everyone was telling me what he was saying and what a really smart, great kid he was. And so it was, it turned out to be okay. And then he slept a ton. Yeah. I, he, he's a sleeper too. So okay. I was like, okay, I can do this. And we got home and, and ta-da, four kids. And this is what year? That was 2011. 2011. Okay. So he's four and a half, 2011. Yeah. Four children. He was about five then, yeah. Five. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How was that um, kind of uh, homecoming, getting in, engaged into the family life, and how did the kids respond? Obviously, they, they knew everything, of course, but um, like that whole, I don't even know the right word I'm looking for. Dynam- um, it's just a dynamic, if you will. You know, yeah, like the, the dynamic, dynamic. Of, of suddenly bringing Yisak into the family. Yeah. It was, our kids were excited. They They knew... Uh, as much as a kid can understand, um, but we we just acted like there was just another kid, and yeah. we're moving on with our days. Yeah. And so we, probably looking back, we should have taken a little more time to just to just be together. But we just kept on trucking with dance lessons and all the other silly things. I was dragging the kids. This around is to. life. Yeah, this is life. Yeah. Welcome. Here's your car seat. <clears throat> We're going to head to Arby's. We got off the plane. We went to Arby's. As it turned out, he loved roast beef sandwiches. So, okay. Yeah. So we um, just incorporated him right into yeah. our life. And the kids were smitten with him. And he did not speak English. So it's kind of a blur now. But it was it was a pretty fun and funny time because he would say stuff. I would say stuff. Nobody. But he caught on to English pretty quickly. Okay. Um. He came home in in May in yeah in May and then by the end of the summer he was pretty well speaking English but he contain he continued to have a very thick Ethiopian accent sure and so we still have this joke he would he would say something and then the kids would repeat it because they liked the way it sounded so whatever they'd say he'd say whatever he would say they would say back and I would have to say don't mock him. And so he would pick up whatever we would say. And so then he learned whenever somebody would repeat him, don't mock me. <laughs> don't <laughs> no. mock me. He also <laughs> learned to combine. We had a dog, and in Ethiopia, dogs are wild animals. They are not pets. And so they, he was terrified of dogs. We had a, a large yellow lab okay. he was terrified of. So whenever he was in the house, we would try to put the dog outside, or if the dog came near him, we would continually say, Jake, go lay down. 
which is hysterical, Pastor Jake, because uh, we would always say, Jake, go lay down. Jake, go lay down. He started to believe that the dog's name was Jake, go lay down. It was all one word. And so he would constantly be like, Jake, go lay down. Or, hi, Jake, go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) The dog's name was Jake, go lay down. And so he, uh, we still say that. We still say that to, to this day. Sometimes after church, we're like, Jake will lay down. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> But goodness. not to Pastor Jake. Just, right, right. Just Greg and I to each other, hysterically. So school progresses, family's growing, faith is growing, you're part of Harvest. Um, were you, real quick, I'm, I'm going to rewind just for a second. Were you part of Harvest when they were at Embassy Suites? Yes. Before they built a building? And yes. so then you were part of going through that process yes. of building the building, yep. you know, seeing the church grow dramatically yes. there. Um, but you're living in Germantown Hills at this point, or still East Peoria? Uh, s- still East Peoria. Somewhere in there, in that period, we moved to Germantown Hills. Okay, yeah. okay. And so you, you become part of the community. Uh, people know you. They know your family. You know them. You're at Harvest, and you've obviously heard of Great Oaks. We're kind of visible on the, on the street here, and uh, we've got a number of people in the community that attend church here, so you're interacting with some Great Oaks people. Um I, I, I want to figure out this process of you were at Harvest and you were having a, generally a really good experience at Harvest. Harvest. You loved Harvest. Loved it. Um, yeah. But then Great Oaks somehow crossed your path. Was that the, the Basque program? So, yes, that was part of it. Um, our kids, getting our kids over to the youth group at Harvest was not ideal. Also, they it was... It was just one of those situations where they didn't know any of the kids there. They didn't go yeah. to school with them. Okay. Okay. And so I forgot about this part. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. it was hard to get them to go and I really wanted them to be participating in a youth group. And um so we were considering they had come a number of times to to break away and we they loved being here with their friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. but we And were, and we hear that a lot in student yeah. ministry. We we know that when students hit that middle school years, they want to be in a youth group with friends that they see in school on a daily basis. So we mm-hmm. understand that dynamic yeah. uh, very much so. Yeah, and I was super thrilled to have them in a youth group where they'd see their friends, where they would get great teaching. And so I was pretty excited about that. But we had no intentions of leaving Harvest. It was a wonderful church. We mm-hmm. loved it. We loved our pastor and um, our life group there. Uh, so we just continued to attend Harvest on the weekends, and our, came, our kids came to youth group. Yeah. And until uh, summer of 2017, and someone had mentioned that there was a Basque program. They were looking for more families to take on Basque students. And the whole the whole thing sounded really interesting. We yeah. had hosted some foreign kids before, and we loved having people in our home, having kids come stay with us. Yeah. So... so- for those that may not be familiar with it, uh, Summer in the USA is an international exchange program. Great Oaks partners with, with this organization over in Basque Country, which is northern part of Spain. Um, and they send students over for four weeks, and they stay with uh, church families. Um, and they just have an, an incredible experience in learning English and being part of an American family and fun. And we take them to Miracle Camp. And uh, it's just been a great program that Great Oaks has been a part of for about eight or nine years now. Um, and so, yeah, so I remember uh, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, was leading the Bass program the year that you guys became a host family. And we were having trouble recruiting families within the church. We were putting word out, and 
and just not getting a lot of response. And somehow you guys, the Weinman family, came across our, our, our desks as a possible host family. And I think, if I recall, <laughs> Pastor Brandon like reached out, and, and you're like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. Like, we'll, we'll pray about it. We'll talk about it. But that was about it. And so I'm looking at Austin because he yeah. doesn't know this story. Yeah. Um, and so one day you guys get a phone call from Pastor Brandon that just says, hey, here's your bass student. They'll be here in like two weeks. And you turn to Greg and go, I guess we're hosting a bass student this summer. Brandon didn't really give much. It was kind of like guerrilla ministry, guerrilla warfare yes. ministry, right? It was just like, hey, we need a host family. You said you were possibly interested, which means you are interested. Here's an international exchange student. That's exactly how that went. <laughs> I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. We would like to do that a month. That seems like, uh, you know, I, we've never hosted any kids that long. It's usually a week or two weeks. And we have we have a vacation plan during that time, so I don't know if this is going to work. And we kind of put it on the back burner. And then it was, Boom. here's your student. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh. I, I think I learned this story when we were standing outside the bus depot in Bloomington, waiting for the students <laughs> to get there. Don tells me this story. By the way, your associate student pastor just kind of said, here He's you go. Good at that. He's he, good at yeah. flanking like that. Yeah. That's actually, genius strategy. Yeah. There you go. It's kind of how all of what I've known. You, I think you and Brandon, but you're you being his mentor, original mentor. You kind of flanked me into this too. Like, <laughs> oh. They kind of operate. Like, hey, what oh. are you doing on Sunday nights? Yeah. Oh, you should come in with high school kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we'll see you there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you host a Basque student. Tell us about that experience. So that was super exciting. So we came for a meeting and. Actually, we sat at the table with Pastor Jake and Aaron. I had no idea that he was the pastor. We were just sitting there. He was hysterical. I was like, I like this guy. He's funny. <laughs> and eventually realized that he was the pastor. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even, I, I didn't know that he was, that the pastor role had changed at Great Oaks. Okay. And um, they, I asked, I said, well, we don't go to church here. What would you like us to do with our Basque student? And you, Chris, said, would you consider maybe for the month either going to both churches or, you know, going, taking a nice. couple weeks to come? And I thought, okay, yeah, we can do that. No problem. And so our Basque student could be with her friends and sure. stuff at church. So that's uh, similar to yeah. what your student, your kids experience in student ministry. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, I wanted them to, wanted our girl Ushue to be able to hang out with her friends. And so we came a couple of times and I walked in. I knew so many people from school. Uh, one of my best, my best friends, she was already going to church here. She had talked to me about it. and But again, it wasn't really on our radar till sure. the harvest. And so we started coming and then we never left. Yeah. 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 And so you're hosting Basque student again this summer. We're, we are doing the program again. We've got, uh, I believe, five Basque students. We've got five host families, and the Weinmans are doing it again. So a two-peat, if you will. Back to that. See how I did that full circle? I, full circle. Full circle. Two I think peat. we might also just found the name of the podcast. <laughs> no. The Weinman two-peat. No. Name, so, the, no? Name, name of the podcast is Wildcat. Well, oh, nice. Yeah. Wildcat. Well played. All right, so so you you are doing the Basque program again, uh, but last summer you also went to Peru. Uh, okay. So back to Peru and the whole you know idea for this podcast. Uh, so tell us about that. You went on the family trip uh, last year, yes. and as we already revealed early in the podcast, you're going on the student trip this year. To Pete. To Pete. See, <laughs> I think there's 
I think Don the, the Wildcat Wayman. Don the Wildcat Wayman. So tell us about Peru. So I took Lily, my oldest, with me. It was her. She was graduating from eighth grade, and so we went um, for a trip together for her eighth grade year. I had, I have always longed to do missions. I have wanted to. In my in my mind and my heart, I I really thought that I wanted to be a missionary, mm-hmm. um, and so I I went to Peru with not um not a lot of expectations. I mean, in terms of I wasn't hoping for anything or expecting anything. I wanted to go and and help in whatever way they wanted us to help. We did do. Uh, the Kids Alive Ministry puts out a like a book to mm-hmm. help missionaries before they come down, and I was so thankful for that book actually because it helped us walk through what our purpose was. And I found out that as a short-term missionary, your purpose is to come alongside the missionaries that mm-hmm. that is their life. And I was so thankful to have that made clear to me, and it changed my perspective. I wanted to go and genuinely just do whatever it was to help them because back to Ethiopia, our time in Ethiopia made me realize that, um, I being a missionary sounds good in my mind Mm. because I think what I long for is a simple life. I'm, I want to live a simple life and everything we can get super caught up in America and all of our stuff and all of our activities and all the things that we do and being super productive, but life in another country is hard. And so it's not really, it's not going and living a simple life. It's working hard for God. And so I think what I was always craving was comfort Mm. and, and less, less stuff, I guess, less activity, less things to do. Distractions. Less distractions. Yeah. And so knowing that I wanted to go and just, and, and be a help to the missionaries there. And so, uh, we went and the first thing we did once we, we got there, we got there really late at night, stayed the night, we got up the next day and it was Sunday and we went to church and the church service that we went to was one of the highlights of my trip. Hmm. We listened to several different people speak. And then they had us get together with another person in the church and pray. So there was this amazing little woman that sat next to me, um, this older Peruvian woman. So she grabbed me, and we knelt knelt down at this chair, and she started praying in Spanish, and she prayed and prayed and prayed. And then we both said amen, and then I started praying. And the whole time I'm praying, she's saying, Si, senor. Si, senor. Mm. And I was like, oh, my. And it just made me, I cried through the rest of my prayer. I was like, oh, we could, we don't have to speak the same language. We all have, it, it gave me a vision of the global church that I did not have before. You can, in America, it's so easy to just see what you see and think that that's what the church looks like. I know that's not true, but to see it uh, face to face and to just be part of, uh, God's universal church was really awesome. I I remember a moment like that for me um, when I went to Israel in 2010. Mm -hmm. And we were in Jerusalem. We were in this this one uh, church, cathedral. And our our guide knew that it was an amazing uh, design for acoustics. 
And so he had our group wait, and we had an opportunity to go up to the very front to the altar, and we sang um, a song. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm trying to remember even what song it was. Um, I think it was How Great Is Our God. And just a really simple song to sing, right? But the, the acoustics were amazing, and we're singing a cappella. And as we're singing, I see this group of uh, Chinese people come in in the back. And I noticed them. They were a large group, about 20 or 25 uh, Chinese uh, tourists. And we got done, and we, we left the altar. And the guide, I'd, I'd become good friends with him uh, along this trip, he said, watch, just watch. And that group of Chinese Christians went up and went to the same spot we were and sang the exact same song that we did, but in another language. And it was that same moment for me. It was like, my Christianity is so small. Mm -hmm. Not not my faith, not my, my view of mm -hmm. God, but my view of, of global Christianity. I didn't realize how ethnocentric my faith was mm -hmm. at that moment. And it really began to break down some of those walls for me. Mm -hmm. So, And that's saying that mission trips have done that for me over the years. Uh, but that was that moment for me, you yeah. know, even though I'd been on mission trips before. So Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And then you spent the rest of the week, you did a lot of painting. So much painting, yeah. Yeah, a lot of painting. <laughs> yeah. A lot of painting. We were... Fabiano talked about that last time. Yeah. So Yeah, it was it was a really, it was a great trip, though. Yeah. It was um, Seth and Jessica helping Seth just do stuff around the orphanage and um, getting to know them and their family. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and... And you get to go back this summer, but this time with the student team. Yes, so, with the student Was there something more you were going to say there? No, no. I looked at Austin. I said, for the two people. Oh, for the two people. <laughs> going back. Ultimately, Austin, I have control of what I type into the computer for the title of this podcast, <laughs> so I'm just letting you know. Um, he just rolled his eyes. <laughs> so, uh, yes, you're going back, and uh, you're one of our leaders. Um, your daughter's going again yes. uh, with you, and we've got a group of high school students and college students uh, that we're all going down. We're going to go, uh, you have not been to Pacalpa, so that's going to be a new adventure for you. So you're going to spend a week in the jungle, um, and then also three days in Lima at the end of the trip. Um, and so that'll all be very familiar, you know, for you. And you may end up being our guide, you know, not like <laughs> geographic guide, but like narrating guide. Like over here, we have this, right? We have penguins on this side. <laughs> There's penguins in Lima? Yes. Well, Wait, we really? Were, there weren't in Lima, like walking around in Lima, but we went on a boat ride. Oh. And... There were penguins. Huh. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I remember this. You didn't okay. know about the penguins? No, no maybe, maybe not. I, so I didn't go last year yeah. uh, on any of the, either of the trips. So There's yeah. penguins. Do you okay. have a favorite missionary story from, from Peru? Do I have a favorite missionary story? Interaction, yeah, a favorite interaction or story that you could share real quick? Uh, we, we have discovered, so our missionaries are listening. The, the Kids Alive Peru oh, missionaries yeah, are, are absolutely. listening. So, yeah. Aww. So, like, say hey. Sweet. Hey, guys. Uh, hope everybody's doing well down there. I am looking forward to coming back. Uh, probably one of my favorite things was we went with Jessica. Lily and I went with Jessica and Chelsea Corwin. We went with Jessica, the missionary down there, to basically their Lowe's to purchase some different things for that for the um, moms in the okay. in the houses. So they just needed just you know we pooled our money together so that they could have brooms that had a handle and dustpan, you know, just okay. basics around their house. Yeah, simple. Yeah. And we went and, I don't know, it was just sort of a day away and we got to do some shopping and they were playing, uh, let's see, what was the song that we started dancing to in the aisle? <laughs> I think it was, uh, it's an American pop song. Okay. I don't remember what it was, but it was hilarious and 
it was just one of those things that yeah that seemed funny at the moment and Lily and I <laughs> Lily and I were dancing I think maybe Chelsea and Jessica were in a different aisle it might have been just <laughs> Lily and I the two dancers acting really yeah. silly yes yeah. Yeah. the two dancers one of those you had to bend their moments yeah guess you did <laughs> and I don't think we've told this story but that was the trip too where you guys went out for ice cream and left Matt Sturgill, the trip leader, we did. back in the apartment. I think he was taking a shower, yeah. and you guys all decided to go out for ice cream. And so they just left. And he comes out of the shower, and the apartment's empty, and he's all by himself. And what happened? Where did everybody go? Now, Matt lived in Lima for a year, yeah. so you know we're not too concerned about Matt being went, by himself. It was something like that. I Whose idea like, was this? Well, I think it was accidental. It was it wasn't, accidental. Yeah, it was totally yeah, accidental. Nobody, there was no like head count or anything taken, except because Matt's the leader, so... We saw that the rest of us were yeah. together. Void, I don't void really of, know. Void of a yeah, leader. I don't know how it happened. Yeah. Void of a leader. But the missionary was there. Yeah, the missionary. It was great ice cream. and Yes. Yeah. I th- Actually, I think no, we were at the missionary's house. I don't remember what happened, but we were not at our apartment. We didn't leave him behind oh, okay. at our apartment. We were um, out closer to the to the orphanage. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was interesting, though. <laughs> we found out that we left him behind. That's funny. And then there was... So then there was a lot of counting after that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Do we have everyone? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I feel like this is the moment where I need to put a disclaimer that on student trips, we are obsessive <laughs> about counting. Oh, yeah. We, we buddy up um, adult leaders and students. One leader is always responsible for at least two students, one or two students. We do buddy checks. We count. So any parents that are call. listening to this, we're not going to leave your child behind uh, in an apartment while we go out for ice cream. So. That's the plan, plan, at least. Hopefully we come home with all of the students that we go down there with, and everything works well. We will, we will. 20 years in student ministry, I've never left a kid behind at camp or on a missions trip or anywhere else. So it's always the big fear. That's like, pretty big. That's great numbers. I know, right? I've only like, been parenting for 15 years, and I left a kid in the mall. Of Florida, so <laughs> that's not a joke. <laughs> that might be a story for another day, another time. Don, I want to thank you very much uh, for coming in, recording this podcast with us, sharing your life, your stories, your faith. Um, thanks for just pulling the curtain back on who you are and your family. Um, and I hope that people enjoy uh, hearing more about uh, Don Weinman. So, thanks, guys. Yeah. Austin, any closing words? Thank you. Very excited to prove this story. They're going to say something like, go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. I'm super excited. To it's it's going to be a great time. Austin. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right. Thank you all for listening. We will be back in another week or so with Episode 7, Mystery Guest. As always, uh, we'll let you know about a day before we post it. So thanks for listening. See you later. Bye, Bye everybody. Testing. This is John Weinman here on a snowy February afternoon. I was expecting like WKRP or something right there. (laughs) (laughs) The way you were going with that. This is Don Weinman. WKRP. I feel like a good morning Vietnam moment kind of needs to happen. Do it. Do it on snow. Negative. (laughs) Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Chris Genders here with another installment of What's Going On in Student Ministries. Good!